Wasn't that great? Well, thank you, kids. That was amazing. Appreciate it. And for y'all, Merry Christmas. We can watch them walk off the stage, and it's a lot of fun. I'm the one who tripped off that stage, by the way, about six months ago and broke my ankle. So that was a bad time. Well, we're glad that you're here. Merry Christmas. If this is your first time, welcome. You flew in, and that is great. Um, for those of you guys who are at home, well, welcome. Merry Christmas. We're glad that you're here, too. We would love to know that you're here. You can check in. The information's on the screen behind me or on your screen in front of you. We would love to have you uh, do that. Let us know if you need prayer requests. If there's something that we can do as a church, let us know that as well. But we are really glad that you are here this morning. We have one announcement. This is a big one. Next Sunday is different because it's Christmas Eve. And so we are trying to make sure we have plenty of seats in all of our services. We're, these are at different times. We have one at 1030 and one at 4 o'clock. And so the way you let us know is if you text the keyword Eve to that number, that will give you a chance to check in or, claw, or register for a spot just so we know how many people to expect. And so if you can do that, that would be amazing. Many of you have, and we are so thankful for that. Uh, but for the rest of you, if you can do that, that would be awesome. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to get started. This is going to be a fun service. We are glad that you're here. Bow your heads, and let's ask God to just uh, be present with us in a real way this morning. Father God, I thank you for each one of these people in the room, for those who are watching online or those who will watch later. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church this morning and churches all over the world as we prepare for one of the biggest events in, in the history of the world. That's the birth of Jesus. God, I pray that this morning as we sing these songs, as we take a moment to just reflect on, on your greatness, that you would intercede and come into those areas in our hearts and our lives that we're struggling, those areas that are areas of difficulty or doubt. And God, that we'd be able to lay those at your feet and see you do amazing works through those things. God, I thank you for each person here, for a special blessing, and for your spirit to be real this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we lift our voices, as we give glory to the newborn king this morning, as we sing, heart the herald, angels sing. Let's lift our voices together. Let's sing. Heart the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy
Come on, church, let's continue to lift our voices together. Let's proclaim it this morning. Let's sing. Mild he lays his glory
Let's sing together. You could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see, brought every tribe and nation to their knees, arriving with the host of heaven in royal robe and crown, the rulers of the earth all bowing down. But you chose meekness over majesty Wrapped your power in humanity could have marched in all your glory into the heart of Rome, showed them splendor like they've never known, but you wrote a better story in humble Bethlehem, creator in the arms of common man. You will die for our redemption. And you'll rise so we can live. We sing, glory be to you alone, King who reigns from a major throne. My life, my praise, everything I own to Jesus, the King on a major throne. From heaven to the cradle, from cradle to the cross, let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. But the grave couldn't hold Him, our God has overcome, let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. From heaven to the cradle, from cradle to let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. But the grave couldn't hold Him, our God is overcome. Let heaven and nature sing, this is our King. All hail the King, all hail the King, all hail the King, all hail the King. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you today for coming to save us. Thank you for coming to rescue us from our sin. Lord, thank you for coming to the common man. Lord, thank you for loving us and dying for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please be seated? You know, honestly, out of all of the carols that we sing and the songs that we sing, I love that song, um, uh, O Night Divine. What a night it was um, when Jesus was born. Uh, what a beautiful thing to be able to reflect on that and to remember that during the season of the year. It is a, it is a special day, and I'm glad that you're here. Uh, next Sunday is going to be uh, Christmas Eve, and so it'll be, a, it'll be a, a little bit of a different service next Sunday, but we'll have uh, services at 1030 and at 4 o'clock. They're identical services, so you don't have to attend both, uh, but we would sur- sure appreciate it if you would uh, register. That way it just kind of helps us to distribute people and make sure that we're going to have um, enough seats for everybody that comes um, at both of those. And then uh, we'll be looking after Christmas Eve, we'll be looking towards New Year's Eve, where we'll have one service at 1030. That also, you might remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that is our 53rd Sunday. And we're going to be taking a 53rd Sunday offering on that day. The goal of that offering is for us to be able to support a few ministries here in our community. We've got about half of that that's going to stay here and do some 
uh, some kind of big project work uh, that we've got to do uh, around here. But then also, uh, there are four uh, different community ministries that we're going to be supporting. And so we would love for you to participate in that offering. By the way, if you would like to get to know those ministries a little bit better, out in the foyer, there are some brochures that you can pick up so that you can get to know uh, the work that those ministries are doing. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Coastal Choices uh, Pregnancy Center, uh, uh, One More Child, our Florida Baptist Children's Home, and World Changers uh, here on our campus. So lots of great opportunities, lots of ways that we can support others and, uh, and, and use that 53rd Sunday offering. So that'll be on December the 31st. I am so glad that you are here today and that we have the privilege of kind of spending this um, Sunday I'm, uh, it's not the Sunday before Christmas, it's the Sunday before Christmas Eve. How about that? Um, but we're glad that you're here and that we, can, uh, that we can focus in on the Word of God and what God teaches us about Christmas. Some of you might have heard of Christmas in July. How many of you have heard of Christmas in July? Yeah, Christmas in July, that usually means good sales, right? That usually means that you're going to buy something uh, at a bargain. And then you've probably heard, if I, would, if I were to tell you to go home and pull out the Christmas story, you would probably find, find yourself somewhere around Luke chapter 2. So Christmas in Luke chapter 2, that's, that's a, a typical place. But today, I want to talk to you about Christmas in Genesis, so I want, us, I want us to look at the beginning of Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I want to read for you a story and really uh, the, 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 kind of the first inclination that there would be something called Christmas. Genesis chapter 3. Let me just read for you a portion of Scripture. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. This is the beginning, uh, it literally is the beginning of the fall of mankind. This is the spot where sin entered the world. This is the moment that we come to where we recognize that our relationship with God, while we were created to be in relationship with God, from this point on, our relationship with God would be a struggle, would be difficult. It would be hard. We would not know God like Adam and Eve knew God. Now, there's a lot to be said here. The first thing, though, that I, I, I like to point out when I read this uh, passage is that um, Satan, the enemy, the, the, the terrible uh, devil that we, that we know so much about, he is depicted here as a serpent or a snake. Now, if you've been around for any amount of time, you know that one of my favorite animals in the animal kingdom 
is the snake. I love those little slimy, slithering creatures. Now, I am am deathly afraid of snakes. If there were to be a snake in the room or if I were to walk outside and there were to be a snake that crossed the path, I promise you, if you were around, you would see your pastor try to levitate. My goal is to try to get both feet off the ground at once, you know, just, I, I can't help it. It is an involuntary response. I've never liked snakes, and here we have the enemy of the entire creation. (laughs) I think it's very biblical, my dislike of snakes. We have the enemy of the entire creation depicted as a snake. I I, I like snakes. I've gotten to a point. Okay, so I got to tell you the story real fast. A few months ago, I was on the way home. I had been to a, a kind of a, 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 a matter of fact, I'd been to the gym. Look at me all gymmed up. Um, I, had, I had been to the gym and I got a call, a frantic call from home that said, we have a snake inside of our screened in pool enclosure. And y'all, I did everything that I could. Now, I, I know that some of you can't see the snake in that picture, so I circled it for you. It's right there. Can you see that massive monster? I mean, he was after me. Now, I will tell you, just to my credit, and I I, I want a little bit of credit here, you notice that what I have in my hand is a pool skimmer net, not a shovel. Right? Because of you, I have learned that there are some snakes that are good snakes. I still sometimes have a hard time agreeing with that, but I've gotten to a point where now I will shoo a snake rather than trying to kill the snake. So we have in our possession, never to be seen by the public, a 15-minute video of that. Now, you can get rid of that. That's enough of that. That's, uh, that's, that's plenty of information. I just want to just share with you my, my natural manly reaction to the presence of a snake, right? I, in that moment, you can see one foot off the ground, the other foot trying to get off the ground, right? So that's how the, I can't handle it. I can't imagine if I would have been Eve. Y'all, if I would have been Eve, sin never would have entered the world because I would have run. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You realize that, right? This serpent, though, this snake, the enemy, Satan, he comes for the purpose of being able to sway mankind. He does it by, by asking a question. The serpent comes to Eve and says, did God actually say that you can't eat of any fruit of the tree in the garden? You see, One of Satan's number one temptations, one of Satan's number one methods in our lives is he wants to get us to distrust what God has said. He says, oh, God doesn't love you. Oh, God doesn't care for you. Oh, God doesn't want anything for you. He says all of those things to try to get us to move away from God. Did God actually say that you can't eat of any fruit of the trees in the garden. (laughs) First of all, that was a lie. It was a lie. 
And because God had said you can eat of any fruit of the tree in the garden except the one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil stay away from the fruit of that one tree. Now Eve answers that way. She says, oh no, he said we could eat of any fruit except for that one. And we don't need to eat of that fruit and we don't need to touch it. By the way, that was an addition by Eve. Eve was like, I just want to be sure that we make a rule for God. I know what he said, but I'm just going to make a little bit extra. Mankind always gets in trouble when we try to add extra to God. We always get into a difficult spot when we try to make rules that he didn't make or say things that he didn't say. Here what we have is a, is a picture where, where Eve and, and Satan are in this conversation and, and Satan says, oh, you're going to be okay. As a matter of fact, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you're not going to die. You'll be, you'll be like God. You'll know what's good. You'll know what's evil. Don't you want to be like God? One of Satan's additional temptations is he wants to tempt us with control and power over our own lives. He wants to make us think that we are fully in control. And if we don't feel like we're fully in control, the best way for us to be in control is to put God on the shelf and to say, I'm the God of my life. I'm in control of my life. It's all about me. And when we do that, we do exactly that. We put God on the shelf and we say, I don't want anything to do with you. I want to live my life. I want to make my choices. I want to do what I want to do. Eve is convinced. She reaches out. She takes of the fruit. She eats it. She gives some to Adam, who was with her. Men, don't go home this afternoon and say, it's all you women. Adam was right there with her, and at any point, as a matter of fact, Adam is showing his weakness because at any point he could have stopped, he could have stepped in and said, No, no, we're not gonna have this conversation, we're not gonna trust this, we're not gonna believe this, we're moving away from it. But instead, Adam stayed silent. Eve was tempted, and then she gave some to Adam. They both sinned. Don't you dare go home and say it's all you women. And immediately their innocence is lost. Their comfort is removed. Their love is destroyed. Their relationship with God is broken. We see more in verse 8. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Can you imagine trying to hide from God? You know, it's easy for us to say, no, I, I can't. I would never hide from God. Can I tell you something? You try to hide from God every day when you sin. You try to act like, well, he won't, this is not that big of a deal. He won't really see me. This is not really, this is not really that big of an issue. I, I, I've used this illustration before. I think it's a, I think it's a great illustration. If, um, if by chance... 
when you went to your car this afternoon, after, after the service, when you went to your car, um, I, you got to your car and you unlocked it, dip, dip, and you went to the car door and you opened it and you got in the driver's seat and I got in the passenger seat. You probably look at me and say, Pastor, where are you going? And I would say, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. What's, what's for lunch? And then at lunch, I would just sit there. I wouldn't say anything. I would be really quiet, but I would just sit there and be with you. And then when you went home, I would too. When you got in your jammies and, you know, kind of laid out for your nap, I would stay in the other room. That'd be weird. But I would be in your house. Whatever you turned on the television, I'm watching. Whatever you listen to, I'm listening to. Whatever goes across your computer screen, I'm looking at it. Whatever movie you watch, however you speak to your children, whatever conversations you have with your spouse, I'm a part of all of those. The phone rings and you pick up and I say, put it on speaker, I want to hear. Now I dare say that if that were true, some of you might make different choices this afternoon. You might turn to a different radio station in the car. The pastor's in here. We can't listen to that. You might choose to go to a different channel. Or you might say, I don't think I'm going to browse the internet this afternoon. You might make different choices. You might speak differently to your children. You might have a different conversation with your wife or your husband. Your life would probably change if the pastor followed you 24-7. Yes? Please hear this. I'm not going to do that. But Jesus does. Everywhere you go, he's with you. Everything you say, he hears. Everything you see, he sees. Every word you speak, every moment of every day, the God of all creation is right there with you. Can you imagine trying to hide from God? Oh, wait a minute. I guess I can't imagine trying to hide from God. They hid from God. Why? Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? How did you learn this? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman. <laughs> I love this. The woman whom you gave me. It wasn't my fault. It was her, God. And oh, by the way, it was the one that you gave me. In other words, he's blaming the woman and God. All in one sentence. The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? Okay, well, fine. Let's look at her. And she says, it was the serpent, parentheses, that you created. It was the serpent. The snake deceived me and I ate. You see, 
Anytime we sin, we always want to make it somebody else's fault. We always, we never want to take responsibility. We want to make it so that that's not me, that's somebody else. That's not my problem, that's somebody else's problem. God speaks his response. We're going to read part of it, not all of it, but verse 14, it says, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. You see, my dislike of snakes is biblical. Verse 15 is the key verse. It says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. You will not like each other. And between your offspring as the snakes and her offspring as the woman's. And then he changes. Do you see this? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We're going to come back to that. Let me read the the end of the story. Verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Man and serpent will be at odds. Her offspring will be over you. You'll bruise and strike his heel because that's all you can reach, Mr. Snake. And he shall bruise and crush your head. And suddenly, because of their sin, mankind was separated eternally and practically from God. This phrase where it says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel has been called the first gospel. It is the reality that Satan has every intention to try to harm the person of Christ. But in his life and in the sacrifice that Jesus eventually made on the cross, he not only struck the enemy, he destroyed the enemy. In that moment, we have the beauty of the gospel That Satan will do everything he can to try to strike at, to try to injure, to try to harm the body of Christ and the person of Christ and the people of Christ. And yet, because of Jesus, we have the privilege of being able to recognize that Satan, the serpent, the snake, is defeated. He shall bruise his heel. He shall strike at his heel. Oh, but he will bruise your head. He shall take you out. There's a few things that I think we can see from today's scripture. Number one, I think we can see that sin begins in the garden. Sin begins in the garden. Can I tell you something? The sin that you struggle with, the struggle, the, 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 that, ha- that habit that you keep going back to, that you know is not pleasing to God, that you know is not the way that you should live, that habit, that struggle, sin, it began in the garden. It has been a part of life since Adam and Eve. I've heard people say before, well, it's not fair 
and it, and it kind of isn't. It isn't fair that I should have to pay the price for something that Adam did. And I would agree with that if you were perfect. If you were perfect, if you never made a mistake of your own, then that would be good. You could make that claim. But you see, Adam sinned, and we have added on. We have created our own life of sin. We have lived our own life of sin. But I want you to know that that sin did not begin with you. It didn't begin with your parents or your grandparents or your great-grandparents. That sin began in the garden when the enemy came to Eve and Adam and said, you can be like God. Take control of your life. Sin began in the garden. The second thing that we can see is that separation begins in the garden. How many of you, just, how many of you are like me? I'll say it that way. How many of you are like me? And sometimes in your life, you struggle in your relationship with God. Anybody like that? I do. He is so holy, I am so not. He is so knowledgeable, I am so not. He is so there, I am so here. It is difficult at times in our relationship with God. Do you know why that is? It's because of sin and the separation from God that resulted from sin. Wouldn't you love to be like Adam and Eve and get to just walk with God? Wouldn't that be amazing? But because of our sin, we were and are separated from God. It began in the garden. You can take the Old Testament and you can see throughout the Old Testament over and over and over, you will see a picture of man being separated from God and doing everything in his power and everything that God has commanded him to be able to be reconnected with God. To no avail. But I'm grateful to be able to proclaim to you the next statement. Because it fast forwards to Luke chapter 2. Where salvation begins in the manger. When Jesus came to this earth. When he was born. It was the beginning of a new story. It was the beginning of a new story for your life. It was the beginning of a new story for our lives. It was the beginning of a new story for your family. But when, when Jesus came and was born, it began the process of salvation. The Son of God was made flesh to dwell among men. Salvation. It begins at the manger. But it doesn't finish there. No, salvation is finished at the cross. You see, when Jesus gave his life, when Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins, when Jesus shed his blood so that the payment for our sins would be offered, salvation is finished at the cross. That's why one of the cries of Jesus from the cross was, it is finished. That didn't mean that it was over, 
that meant that it was complete. It was done. He had accomplished the mission. Mission accomplished. It is finished. Salvation begins at the manger. Salvation is finished at the cross. You see, when we celebrate Christmas, and we should... We should celebrate Christmas with the idea that the shadow of the cross always overhangs the manger of Jesus. When Jesus was born, he was born for one purpose, and that was to live a perfect life and die on a cross for our sins. Let us make no mistake that salvation begins at the manger, but if the manger doesn't lead to a cross, then it's just a great life. But because Jesus went to the cross for our sins, we can receive salvation. It's why in Luke chapter 2, when the angels proclaimed, this is what they said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you, I love this, good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. There's not a person that is immune to this good news of great joy for Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. As you celebrate Christmas, and you should, as you experience the the beauty of the manger, as we sing songs like Away in a Manger and Silent Night, Holy Night, and Hark the Herald, angels sing, and oh, Holy night, O night divine, let's be reminded that the reason that night is so holy is because the Son of God had come to earth and because we have the benefit of believing in him. Yes, make no mistake, the good news of Christmas is that Jesus Christ, our Savior, is here. That is the beauty of Christmas It is the story of this season. It is the wonder of that night divine. Jesus, our Savior, is here. So this Christmas, celebrate. Give gifts. Give presents. I mean, we've got trees at our house. And our trees, under the trees, there are multiple presents that are uh, addressed to certain people. I love the lights of this season. I love the, 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 I love the candy of this season. The chocolate and the sweets and the, I mean, everything is beautiful about this season. But friend, make no mistake. The greatest gift, the greatest gift that you could give or receive is very simply to ask Jesus into your heart to be your savior, to be the sacrifice for your sins so that you might walk with him. Give your life to Jesus. It's the greatest Christmas present you could ever experience to believe in Jesus as your savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the privilege of being present in this moment. Thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you will work in our midst, even in these next few moments, just continue to show yourself to be God, to be sovereign, to be powerful. We trust you. 
As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Maybe you're here today and you've heard this story a thousand times, but maybe today you need to hear it not as that story, but your story. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never trusted him as your savior, if you've never turned your life over to him to know that he is the salvation for your sins, if you've never trusted in the Jesus of the manger and the Jesus of the cross and the Jesus of the empty tomb, if you've never believed in him, I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer of what it means to ask Jesus into your heart. If today you've never received Christ as your Savior, but you want to, I'd love to lead you there. Just so I know who I'm praying with. If you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to right now, I'm not going to come to you, I'm not going to call your name, I'm not going to make a show of you. It's just between you and God. You just slip your hand up in the air. I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Anyone, this is your moment. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do it right now. Amen. Anyone else? This is your moment. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to do it right now. Just give you a moment more. Hey, if you're one of those who raised your hand just, just here, I would just want to simply lead you in a prayer. And maybe if you didn't raise your hand, but you believe that in your heart and you need that, then you can pray this. And as a matter of fact, we don't think that anybody should pray alone. So all around the room, we're just going to repeat these words. We're going to join you in praying this prayer of salvation. Would you just join me in praying this? Pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I believe that you were born and that you lived, and that you died for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for saving me. Help me, Jesus, to live for you from this point on. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Church, it is good to see God moving among you. And I'm so excited about what God's doing in your life. If you were one of those who raised your hand and prayed that prayer, at the end of this service, we would love to talk with you. We'd love to talk with you about what God's doing in your life. It's up to you to take that next step. But we would love to to hear what God's doing and to kind of help you take that that first or second step of asking Jesus into your heart and walking with him for the rest of your life. Whether you raised your hand or you just truly believed in him and prayed that prayer, maybe for the very first time, we would love to talk with you about what God's doing in your life. Right now, let's stand. Let's sing this closing song as we continue to worship and continue to see God move in our lives today. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born.
for our salvation, Jesus. There is a light that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. There is freedom from the chains that bind us, Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the waters, who speaks to Thank you. 